Join me on my journey as I explore wealth in all areas of life. I'm your host, Mindy Kinnis, and this is The Lucrative Society. Welcome back, my friends, to another episode of The Lucrative Society. I am delighted today to have my dear friend, Gina Gabellini, on the show with me. Gina, thank you so much for joining me. I'm super pumped to talk to Miss Mindy. You are most of the time super pumped, and that actually translates well into the topic of this show, because really what I want to focus on with people is talking about money and talking about happiness and how those two collide or intersect. So this is, this is awesome. I want to start with something that may not be quite that exact topic, though. Gina, you were scheduled with us to do this interview for the Lucrative Society on August 29th. As you know, Sean passed away one day before that, August 28th. And so in some ways, this feels very surreal. This feels like what, like he should be here with us. And in many ways, you know this, he is, but just in a different capacity. One of the things that I want to begin with because you and I have specifically talked about loss of somebody so dear, so close. You also have had an experience like that in your life. Talk to me about happiness from that perspective. Yeah. So, wow, I got tears in my eyes already. Well, first of all, when I heard about Sean, I just didn't think it was a big deal. So, I mean, I know it was shocking for everybody, but I was just like, oh, he's the comeback kid, man, of course. So that, that did feel like a big loss. And I'm one of those people, I'm pretty dramatic about everything. <laughs> it's just how I feel. I either feel extremely happy on top of the world or, oh my gosh, this is the biggest, worst thing ever. And I mean it. It feels, it's very real in that moment where it just feels awful, whether it's a money crunch or losing someone. And when I lost my brother, he was like, he was my soulmate. I told everybody that he's like, you know, just how people feel about their mates. It's like, oh, we're on the same page. My brother and I were like that. So when he died, I was pissed. I was so mad. And if I didn't have children, I'm not sure if I would have stayed stable. Mm. But um, I remember talking to a friend and I was just, he was like, you know, well, what do you want? I was trying to get some coaching. I was deep in the grief. He's like, well, what do you want? What do you want? I'm like, I can't have what I want. I just want my brother to be alive. I was get, I wanted to punch the guy through the phone. I'm just like, what do I want? Yeah, you want I can't have person. what I want. And then finally something broke loose in me. And I said, well, what I think of this is it's the worst thing ever. So what's the opposite of that? What if this was the best thing ever? And it just, that thought stunned me. What, is the, what if this was the best thing that ever happened to me? I'm like, wow, I don't even want to think that thought. That's a horrible thought. And yet it's such a relief to think that thought. So for me, it was kind of like the beginning of, oh, well, how do I make the most of my life from here. And I'm still grieved, of course, but it was just like, hmm, that's a whole different perspective. Like that's a head turning, shocking experience to say, what if this is the best thing ever? And then it kind of became that, you know, it just became that weird and cool things would happen everywhere I went that could be related back to my brother. 
And it's helped me a lot to take opportunities since then. Like my brother, I remember thinking my brother socked all this money away. And then he held out on things he wanted to do because of money. And I was like, oh man, how can, I just want to do both. I want to do this and this and this. And there, I mean, I already was always thought that there didn't have to be trade-offs, but I think it got me more uh, committed to it's not nothing's an either or it's a yes and sometimes you can't have it all at the same time and you have to make choices but i get to have it all right now my brother was very much uh go big or go home kind of guy like he said it all the time i'm all in you only live once like all those were things he said all the time especially when he wanted me to get do something like he was daring me to do something <laughs> so for me it's like all right let's just go for it let's just be all in let's just even if it sounds wild and crazy and not practical and it seems like against the odds that this could even be possible, this thing I want, let's just go all in. What the hell? Let's just do it. I love that is really what's the worst that could happen in that capacity. So such a great, great, powerful, positive way to live. So let's back up and talk a little bit about your evolution. I want to hear from you specifically for our listeners, because I feel like I, I may know a lot of this, but can you talk a little bit about the evolution that you've had as an entrepreneur and specifically around money? Yeah. So I, you know, like most kids, I just took teenage jobs. <laughs> I just barely was scraping by. And then I just decided I wanted to go, you know, to a trade school. I wanted to be a fashion buyer. I did that for a year and it was like, oh, this is only fun when you're doing buying shows. <laughs> you get to buy the clothes. It's fun. And then I got, I just did a bunch of different businesses, but always just pretty much made just enough. And I didn't complain because I didn't know any different. I'm like, oh, I can go have a glass of wine at the bar. I can go on vacation, but we have to stay at a really a scrappy motel <laughs> and bootstrap it. But I'm good with that. Like, hey, we get to go on a vacation. This is cool. And then I got into coaching. When I was 28 years old and uh, I think that's when it started opening up to me like whoa you know what I can make a difference and actually for real make some money except for a lot of coaches I mean they probably still and yes still uh, back in the day you know people who made such minimal money and that was my model so I just followed the model at first and then one day I remember breaking down how much I was making based on you know, all the hours I put into marketing, to networking, doing the paperwork, because I didn't have an assistant or whatever. I couldn't afford that. I'm like, wow, I'm actually making less than I did at a job. <laughs> this is not okay. And if I want to make six figures, there's a, there literally is not enough hours in the day based on the model that I'm doing right now. This sucks. It was kind of a nice wake up moment. Like, well, this is not okay. And I remember thinking, well, man, I need to go back to the dream. And if the dream is making an impact in six figures, I think we need to break the model. And just started visioning. And after the visioning, I was like, well, what am I doing working with all these clients? I don't want to work with all these clients. You work with all these clients, you can't remember people's stories. and <laughs> You have to look at your notes. Wait a minute. Did we discuss this already? You know, it's just, it's too much. So I said, all these people are breaking their necks. They have like 50 clients, other people in my industry. And I thought, this is crazy. This is like a big, this is worse than a job. If you do that, it's no fun. 
So I just decided, you know what, I want 10 clients. I don't care if they're corporate clients, private clients, everybody's paying the same rate. I'm just going to give them this five-star customer service and I'm going to go deep all in. They're going to get great results. I can make my money and I'm not a stress case. This sounds good. And that's exactly what I did. Nice. I didn't realize that you had started when you were 28. I also started coaching when I was 28, which, you know, I feel like is a thousand years ago now. <laughs> but yeah. All good. So let's, let's, I want to dig in a little bit deeper on that because a lot of the people that I work with are in that kind of beginning stage and feeling out like, am I going to be more stressed out in this thing that I started for freedom? You know, that was the whole point was to be in charge, to be in control, to be able to define the way that I was going to work. And now I'm way more stressed, way more busy, way more active in all these things. How, like, what specifically did you do to, I know you're big on mindsets, so we can certainly touch on that, but also in terms of like, how did you literally change to shift that for yourself? Especially when that wasn't the model, you were kind of breaking new ground. I'm a bit of a rebel. I know you know about that. A bit? A bit <laughs> of a rebel? What? <laughs> And people were telling me things like, well, you can't charge that much for a private client. You can charge that much if you're going to coach corporate, but you can't charge private clients that much. And I'm like, why? It's, my, it's the same time. It's the same me that shows up and does the work. I don't think it's fair to overcharge these people and undercharge these people because we think, quote, these people can afford it and these people can't. So it's like, no, everybody gets charged the same. It's the price. It's just the price. It's just what I decide it's going to be. And if I'm deciding I'm big on like, I call my perfect clients, five-star clients, five-star clients can't afford me. It's just, they will find the resources even if they think they're broke. Now I've been on the other side of that equation where I've hired people in my business or, or private life where, you know, you get that estimate of what it's going to cost and you have the sticker shock, like what? Oh, uh, that was not what I was thinking. Um, <laughs> and then you decide, I want this. And you, somehow you pull it off when you decide you really want it. You, even if you didn't have the money, the resources become apparent. The solution becomes revealed on the way to have that thing that you said yes to. I still do that. I'm still saying yes to things that are out of my price range. Always. It's just the way it is. Every, we all are. <laughs> if you allow yourself to. So I just decided, well, my five-star clients will do the same. Even if, they think that they can't afford it. If it's the perfect fit, they're resourceful, they'll find a way. And they did. I had people who had no jobs, unemployed, were saying yes. They were finding the money. They were creating the money. And so it, then it became, I did, I was in the place that you said your, most of your clients are. Many of mine are too, where they're actually afraid of success because it, it paints a picture of headaches and loss of freedom. They won't be able to handle it. Uh, my big thing, I had already experienced the downfall of having too many clients, which was, I, I can't keep track of people's stories. So what I started adapting to was, well, whatever becomes a problem, it's really just a system issue. Well, I just decide, well, I need to change the format or I need to put a system in place to handle it. And what if every time we got overloaded, it just led us to a better system that actually created more freedom? And I could give better customer service because at first I didn't believe that. I believed that if I wasn't personally touching everything, helping everybody to the max, 
then they weren't going to get good results. And then it was going to reflect badly on me. And then I would feel like crap because I wasn't delivering great results, which was all just a story. <laughs> and I remember thinking the first time I had a, a group program and we had, I think there was 200 people in it. I'd never had that kind of success before. And I thought, oh my gosh, this actually is a problem. <laughs> I can't, I can't service all these people. I'm going to have to do the thing that I thought was impossible, which is actually find a coach to help me. And at first I was like, who can do the job? Nobody. So arrogant, right? Nobody coaches like me. Nobody could get the job done. And what I figured out was, oh yeah, they won't do it like me. And it's just as amazing. Right. And sometimes in my case, I'm like, oh, it's actually better <laughs> than whatever I was planning, you know? So that's, I think that's such a, you know, something that we all eventually come to or hopefully come to is that we don't have to do it all ourselves. I know that I struggled with that for years and years and years. So finally it like realized, and I love that you put the word arrogant on it because really it's just ego. Like it's all about me, baby. And then it's like, actually, no, <laughs> it's not at all. It's not at all. So Gina, tell me this, how do you, because you work specifically a lot with money, with abundance, with talking to people about prosperity and how do you define wealth? Uh, wealth for me is always having more than enough, meaning there is a lot of excess. I'm not making choices. Well, you should do this before you even have wealth. It's how you create wealth is making choices based on what you want versus letting money dictate what's possible. Like I said before, when you want something, you will create the funds. You will find a way. Your mind and your you know, higher self will start working on it for you. And it's the kind of thing where something just lands in your lap or you're in the middle of the night, you think, oh, oh what if I just did this? Ooh, I'm onto something here. So it's having more than enough. I think that what I see more often than not, even when I teach this to people, when I say, okay, so what's the goal? What are you gonna create? They're always shooting for that number that is just enough or a little bit better than where they are now. Versus, wait a minute, you're going to get to that spot and find out that, especially as a business owner, we're always up-leveling. We always see that piece of software that can make things easier, that coach that could help us do that next something. There's, there's always something to upgrade, you know, like, oh, I want to go create a book. Okay, well, I need to publish that book and that's going to cost money or whatever it is. So it's like we always need to aim for more than enough so that you have that feeling of, Ah, I can, I can chill. I'm not making decisions based on money. I'm making choices based on what I want. There's enough security and money in the bank that I'm not freaking out. Or even if the money isn't there, I think wealth mindset is I can create it and I will. It's a decision. Decisions. I think most people don't make decisions. They're, they're hoping they're intending. Uh, and intending is fine, but intending is not a decision. Decisions are when things go, no, this is happening. This is what we're doing. Like you don't talk about it. You, talk, you can talk about a vacation or you decide I'm going on vacation. We're putting the date in the calendar and we're going to book a hotel or book the camping spot or book the airline, whatever needs to happen. It's, we're putting this in motion. No, this is happening. We're not talking about it. We're doing it. And we're getting excited about the, the planning for it. That is fantastic because I love what you just said about the decision is not the same as an intention 
and affirmation, you know, all these other little things that, that are helpful, but it's not the, the final word of like, this is it. So thank you for that. Now, one of my favorite, favorite things about you is that you are most of the time super positive, ready to play and just ready to go. And even the very first time that I met you, you and I were at dinner in Scottsdale and I just remember, I didn't know anything about you prior to that, but I remember you sitting there and you were talking about launches and everybody else in, in my world at that time was kind of like, ugh, launching is so exhausting. Like it's so draining. It's so tiring. It totally, you know, just kills my team every time we do a launch. And you're sitting next to me at the restaurant. You're like, I love launches. I can't wait to launch. I love launching. And I was like, who is this person? And what, <laughs> what is going on here? Because it was so opposite from a lot of the other people that I had been hearing from. So my question in that, and this just has my own curiosity, is what is it that you are not as excited about in business? Hmm. That's, you have stumped me. <laughs> I think one thing I do not like, and this is a person, I think this is just a personality style thing, is once a project is done, I'm done with it. Like, I've handed it off, it's supposed to go, and then if somebody comes back, especially irritates the you-know-what out of me, if it's like two months later, and they're like, oh, what, why did you do this? Or what is it? I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. That is, that is complete in my head. And now you're having me go back in time and try to get reconnected to this thing I created two months ago. I don't even forgot. I'm on to something else now. And you're making me do these detaily things. Like it's my team trying to help me, but I just get mad. <laughs> I don't want to deal with this tedious stuff. I just want to go create and do the next thing. I am so with you on that. That's that, that quick start capacity of the Colby personality type. It's like, you just want to do it and then be done and we're on to something else. So <laughs> I totally get that. And then we have people sometimes on our teams that are like, well, what about, which, you know, that's helpful too. But uh, I am, I'm totally with you on that, Gina. So I want to hear about your curiosities. That was one curiosity for me about you, but I want to hear about yours. What are some of the things that you are curious about? If you could just riff off maybe four or five things that just are really interesting to you these days. I think the same things that are curious that I'm curious about now are things I've always been curious about. I am fascinated with how mindset creates reality. I can't get enough of it. I I'm a like study myself all the time. Like, hmm. Why am I reacting to this thing this way? And why am I making decisions based off that feeling that actually don't support me? That's interesting. And how do I find faith when there is nothing proving that I can have what I want or I'm going to, go, going to get that end outcome? I love looking at other people. Like I, I, It's one of the reasons why our mutual friend, Christian Michelson, I'm fascinated by him. He just decides like he's going to do this crazy thing. What the hell? And he, and I'm just like, look at him. And I laugh because he just, well, I want to try it. And that's the way you have to be. And, but it's also interesting how we often don't do that. Like, 
we don't see it as a game. I'm always curious about how can we make things a game because I am one of those people. I'm either, like I said before, I'm extreme. I'm either in the fun of it or I'm making it really hard. And one of my ways to get from hard to easy is how do I make this a game that I win, of course. <laughs> yes. But how do I bring the fun into it and simplify it so I don't make this thing a big, hairy deal? I'm fascinated by people who do extraordinary, dangerous things. Like I'm really into survival stories and I'm just blown away by the courage people have. I feel like such a wimp when I watch like documentaries <laughs> or I read books. I'm like, how did they keep their head in the game? I would have been losing my shizzle. What, how, you know, I just watched, you know, this, this documentary about, um, a gal, a four, how old when she left? When she left, she was 14 years old, I believe, and sailed around the world by herself with no support. I'm like, you know, the, the, there was storms and these things, and she's just like, kind of like, game on. <laughs> I'm like, who is this girl, and what is she doing with the mindset? I'm just blown away by it. So I'm very, I love survival stories. I can't get enough. I always, always been that way. I can't read enough, watch enough. I'm fascinated by my children. I'm totally curious about how they just create these opinions. I'm curious. I'm, I'm also fascinated. I'm fascinated is more of my word than curious. I think I'm more fascinated by things. And I just sit there with my mouth draping up. I'm like, wow. I, I hate and I love that my kids talk back to me. <laughs> I, uh, when I was too scared to speak up. And I, so it's not probably not even talking back. They do talk back for sure, but they're strong little personalities. They're not little. Um, they're very forceful about what they think and they, they say what they think. And I'm fascinated by that. I'm like, that is awesome. It's so irritating me. And I want them to stop right now and right on for having a voice and saying what upsets them, feeling the freedom to just be mad. I tried to keep it all under wraps, you know, I would cry a lot and I, tears would come out because I was so mad. And I remember my mom saying, you know, like, stop, just stop crying. It would drive her nuts. And I'm like, but I'm upset. <laughs> as you, as you said, it's this extreme experience. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't stop. And the more I try to stop, the more they're coming. So I'm, I'm just fascinated by people's different personalities. I studied, um, the DISC behavioral assessment, you know, in my early, in my twenties. And I was always fascinated by people's personalities. What makes them tick? Why they do what they do. I love understanding it. Like, Oh, they're doing that because of this. And now it makes me have more compassion and I can relate to them. Although I don't always remember to be fascinated by it. Sometimes I'm irritated by it, <laughs> especially when people are trying to hold me back with their details. I appreciate the detailed for people on my team, but it's amazing how they're trying to trying to help me do something and I'm getting irritated because it's a personality difference, right? I'm like, oh, can you just stop asking me these questions? Right, but knowing that definitely gives you the upper hand because you can recognize, oh, okay, this is why this is happening. This is why I'm feeling frustrated. <laughs> you know, same thing that you do with your kids. Like you can yes. be irritated at the same time be like, wow, this is amazing what is transpiring here. I, I love that. That's awesome. I want to go back to something you said, though, just briefly, when you talked about making things into a game, 
making them fun. I wondered if you could give an example for our listeners, because it's one thing to say that. And I think some people who are listening might be like, okay, Gina, that's easy for you to say, you know, you've already achieved all this stuff and you have this great life. And yeah, of course you can make it into a game, but what about me? So can you give maybe an example or two of times that you have had to do that or chose to do that? Yeah, I still have to do it all the time, especially around money. Because again, where I always want something more or, you know, I'll spend a bunch on something I wanted to invest in. I'm like, oh, now I'm in a cash flow crunch. Okay, great. Let's just create the money. How do we keep it fun? Or, you know, life throws you unexpected things in good things, in good ways and bad ways. So let's say the game I was just recently playing was I wanted an extra 50K in my savings because I decided I've been looking for a lake house. It has been my longtime dream. and struggling because I kept not seeing what I wanted. So the faith was not there. I'm like, okay, it's going to be someday, but I'm tired. I want to reel this thing in to right now. I'm tired of talking about it. I'm 52 years old. I've been wanting this for a long time. One of my, it's been one of my only and biggest dreams, lake house. I'm a water ski fanatic. And so I'm like, oh, I keep looking on, you know, Zillow for all of the places in that neighborhood. They're all definitely not my cabin. Uh, and I'm thinking about it. I'm not deciding. I'm not deciding it's this summer. So I'm like, okay, we're going to look for evidence that there are great houses still lakeside because every time I would find a great house, I'm like, yeah, but they're up in the Hills, you know, like a, a half an hour windy drive down to the water. I just want to go run to my boat and hop in when I see that glassy water that I want to tear up with my ski. So it's like, okay, I have no idea how I'm going to pull this off. I've been looking for two years. We did have one deal. It fell through. I'm doing it. And in fact, I'm going to do it by August. And I'm going to have the money because the particular place that we're buying, you can't get a mortgage loan for that. You have to buy it outright. It's on forest land, so it's leased. I'm like, I have no idea how this is going to happen. We're going to pull this off. But this is what's going to happen. So I just was about, okay. Every single day asking myself, what, what evidence am I seeing today that proves that I'm on the right track and that I'm headed in the right direction, even if I see, like the evidence doesn't mean money coming in necessarily. Evidence means I feel certain today. I feel like, I feel inspired to go look in a new part of the lake that I haven't looked for before. Oh, look at this house. This house is nicer than the last 20 I've seen that are, you know, dumps oh, look, here's property. Even though I don't want to build our own, these things exist. So I'm finding evidence. And in fact, as soon as I decided, I'm not kidding you, this stuff is crazy. As soon as I decided that it was going to be this year, and actually this summer, I said, before the kids get back in school, my godmother says, hey, there's two places I want you to look at right by our cabin. She has a cabin up there. They had a death in the family and the family wants to sell it. Like, oh yes, before they're on the market. Cool. Then we just go up there this last weekend. And this guy who's another part of my family says, I want to show you a new house I didn't tell you about. And we walked in and I looked at my guy and he looked at me and I'm like, oh my gosh, this this is moving ready. We're not gonna move there. It's a, a you know, a vacation place. I can't believe this. They're old, old cabins, these places. They're back in the 30s and 40s, so I had a lot of modern stuff, including a washer and dryer. I almost fainted from delight. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just so happens that I nailed my 50K goal, 
literally two days before I see this place. Mm, I love that. So, and the game could be, okay, every time I have an excess amount of money come in, I'm going to take 10% of that and put it in savings. Or there could be all sorts of games. Like I'm going, one of my favorite games when I was starting coaching, and this is how I built my practice to where I had so many people I was going crazy was I'm just going to play the no game. Um, because if I say I'm going to ask, you know, ask somebody to be my client, or I'm going to ask them to talk to me about coaching and they say no, then I have to get at least five no's before I stop taking action for the day, which was weird. Like if you're in your house and you're not actually networking, how do you find, this was before the internet was a thing, really. Like if, back in the days when we started coaching, or I, I think I'm older than you, but when I started coaching, if you had a website just in general, the general public, you were something. Yeah. So I have, you know, everybody now thinks, oh, I gotta have a website. Uh, a website is nice and you can go get clients without a website right now. It's that easy. So I would just shoot for five no's a day and it would help me do things that I was uncomfortable doing. It helped me be, not be lazy. It was so easy for me to be lazy in my house and go, oh, you know, I'll talk to someone if they're interested, but I'm not going to take any extra action. Like, nope, the game is I can quit working for the day if I've gotten my five no's. Well, of course, it also got me over the fear of rejection of a no. Because like, well, I just have to get used to getting a no. So if I get five no's in a row, well, then I'm done for the day. So there's a win in that for me. <laughs> so how can you make it fun? How can you set yourself up for the game to generate more than enough of whatever you want? And how can you make it easy so that it's simple? You're not doing all these complicated things. That's why launching is fun for me, by the way, too. It's a game to me. And the game is, how creative can I get? How can I do things that no one else has ever done? So I, you know, I feel like, oh my gosh, the people that see this stuff, they're going to feel like it's a surprise party. And they're, they're going to think it's the <laughs> coolest thing ever. And then I'm going to get my rocks off because I'm like, it's so cool and fun. No one's ever done this before. I'm, look at me. I'm so innovative. This is fun and cool. Even if only one person thinks it's cool, I had <laughs> And that's also a game is how, how can I over deliver, but still make it fun for me, but not for the sake of getting clients, but for the sake of it's just fun to over deliver. It's fun to be innovative. It's fun to be creative. So if I'm going to play this game and I'm going to lean all in and I'm not attached to getting clients or money from it, I'm doing it for the sake of me growing, then you are going to grow you're going to feel great about what you're doing. And of course you're going to get the thing that you were going for because you're not attached. You're not, you're doing it for a, an even bigger reason. Yeah. And you know, what's awesome is I, I have seen you do this over the years. Like that's not just talk. You, you have done that consistently just to make things fun and to over deliver and to get crazy and just say, Hey, how can we make this even wilder. So I love that. And thank you for some of those examples, because I think that's really helpful for the listener to hear specifics, you know, things that they can implement in their own life. So one of the, and I know you know this because you've listened to this show, one of the questions that we ask for everybody who has ever been on this show is this acronym called HERB. And HERB stands for habits first off so i'd love to hear what are some of your habits either daily weekly monthly habits that 
assist you in achieving, assist you in maintaining that fun and positive energy that you bring. What are some of your habits? Yeah. So one of the things I do, I, I notice the difference. Well, obviously with any habit, you notice the difference if you don't do it, but um, I journal immediately in the morning. I do two types of journaling. I created a journal that I sell called speed dial the universe journal, but I created it because I was into this stuff before and I couldn't find a process in the morning to get me grounded. That felt good for me. So what I th I think, Everyone should have a process in the morning, whatever it is, to get grounded, present here and not let the day just sweep you away. So that's one thing I do every day. Then the other type of journaling is usually just free flow. I do it when I feel any sort of anxiety, even if it's a low level. I don't know what I feel uneasy about, but I just don't feel like the world is my oyster today and I don't know why. I'll just start saying whatever comes to my mind. And then I'll usually come up with some sort of inquiry for myself to journal on. Well, if I'm worried about money, let's say, I'll say, great, what's, what can I do today to make me more money than I've ever made before? And then I'll just start journaling answers. Like, I don't know, like you said, let's just get wild and crazy. If it's not, if it's not making me smile or content by the end of the journaling, then I'm not complete with my journaling. Wow. So that's, that's great. One thing. And also, I, people don't want to take time to do this, which drives me cuckoo, because they feel like everything else is more important. And I feel like this is the most profitable thing you can do for your business or as a leader. It is the most lucrative thing you can do is doing the journaling. Anything that will give, keep you centered on track and really in your heart is what's going to help you come up with the ideas, know, have the nudges on what actions to take, say the right thing to magnetize clients without you're not really trying to say the right thing. So to me, it's the most important thing we can do. I exercise every single day, even if I just go for a walk, because that, again, puts me in my body, in my heart. And lately, I've just, I've gotten addicted to where I didn't want to take the time before, but the last two years, stretching. I now find it a, not only good for my body, but a zen activity that feels so good. It always, everyone always says they feel good when they stretch, but people don't want to take the time again. It's like, well, why wouldn't I? Oh my gosh. It just, my body is just like amazing and functioning at this higher level. When I stretch, why wouldn't I do this? It takes 10 minutes and I can actually talk to people or be quiet or watch my favorite series on Netflix while I do it. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite series on Netflix? Oh man, I don't, what right now it's kind of a vicious one. So uh, uh, it's a little gruesome, but I'm loving Outlander. Oh, right. Which okay. is, you know, back, in, it's just fascinating to me because it's, you know, most of it's time travel back in 200 years ago and just seeing where they were compared to what we do now, a, a lot has changed and a lot has not changed. Yeah, it's so, it's so true. So from the H, we'll move on to the E, which stands for environment. What do you allow in or not allow in to your environment? Um, of course, I like good vibes. So I don't like trash talking other people. I don't like um, yelling. Even I'm very sensitive to yelling, even when it's just a kid from across the house saying, bye. I'm like, can you please come into the room and just say what you need? <laughs> like, we got, I, I like to be mindful of my impact and our impact on the environment in my home. 
And I don't like toxic stuff of all kinds, whether it's food, cleaning products, whatever. And that's not to say that I don't have these things in my house. I do. I, I'm loosey-goosey about a lot of things and then anal about some things. But it's more just like, it's just got to feel good. I don't like chaos. And I've ever, for the past, however long, what's the book? Uh, the Art of Tidying or whatever it's called. By Marie Kondo. I, yeah. I've just become an addict. <laughs> just an addict because it's such flow and I just, I, I get, it's another game. How many boxes can we fill of stuff to get rid of? Every yeah. time I buy new clothes, I'm like, great, my closet's packed. What else can we get rid of? Where before it was like, Oh my gosh, I hate getting rid of things. And I'm like, it's a game. How many things can we collect to get, shove them out of the house? Yeah. I am so with you on that. I, I love getting rid of stuff. It's just so nice to have just more of a minimalistic thing. And it's a lot easier to maintain too. <laughs> so moving to the R, R stands for resources. And resources could be books, courses, mentors, programs, something that you have really uh, vibed with and also would recommend to our listeners. Okay. It's a bit unconventional, but it is the best resource in all the world which is your inner guidance. I mean, to me, it's right there for you. It's free. You have access it to, to it at all times, uh, except for when you're stressed. Um, <laughs> and even then it's like, signal, signal, warning, calm down. This doesn't feel good. But inner guidance is where all the best answers come from, all the best inspired actions to move you forward towards what you want. So to me, it's the most underutilized thing in our life, and it gets us the best results. And it's free. And we all have access to it. That, that's like the best answer ever that we've ever had on this. Fantastic. And moving to B, which is for beliefs. What are some of your core beliefs that just really define the way that you live your life and the way that you see the world? I know this goes without saying, and it's, it's challenging at times because I have a fierce personality, but to really be kind and to really see where someone else trying to seek to understand. And if you seek to understand, people will really listen. Over delivering. I feel like every time I'm over deliver or I do something because it feels good, even if it puts me out and I, I'm not a do gooder. I don't mean that. It's just more of like, Hey, this feels good for me to go above and beyond. It's all always well. People never overstep boundaries. People are not takers. When I feel good about giving, it's never a problem. And I do believe 100% to think is to create. It's the most powerful tool in my tool chest to say, well, if I want to create it, great. How do we allow this to be? Or if I'm sick, how can I relax so I can find the solution to feel better or at least feel better in this moment? Because I don't like not feeling good. And I'll like, I'm the first one to kick and scream. <laughs> you know, like, this sucks. You know, I'm a total wimp about not feeling good. You know, I break a, my ankle. Oh, this sucks. I mean, you know, it's like, Gina, stop resisting. You're just getting yourself in a tizzy. The world is fine. Your ankle is broken. You're fine. Right. right. Calm down. You know, like, and, you know, with, like, you could look at someone like Sean. And you're like, yeah, just calm down. Look at this, you know, dude who is happy and creative and creating solutions. You can create your solutions. So my, it's like to think is to create is the most powerful, awesome thought ever on the planet and gives me hope. Even when I'm in the feeling of nothing's going to work, life is horrible and my life sucks. <laughs> it's like, no, it just sucks in this moment. And 
you'll feel better soon, maybe not today, but tomorrow, and you're, you're, you'll be back to where you want to be, and life will be good again. It's the power of the mind. It can either suck, or it can be great, uh, or you could be in progress to feeling good again, and that's all about the way you think. Love it. So if people are interested in you, your work, your journal, whatever it may be, what's the best place to send them to? Okay, so I'm going to actually send you to something that will actually support what we've been talking about. And you can use this for anything, even if you're not an entrepreneur yet. Uh, you can use it for money. If you go to moreclientsnowtemplate.com, moreclientsnowtemplate.com, it's a free thing you download. And you know I like games. We've been talking about it. It's a five-minute exercise that you do every day that will have you focused on positive evidence that's showing up in your life. Because if once you look for it, you'll start finding more. And that actually helps your mindset. It helps you get aligned with what you want. And at first, evidence will be small. And then it will get bigger and bigger and bigger till you're, you're blowing your own mind. And again, it's five minutes. Five minutes, the most profitable time you could give to yourself is do this five-minute exercise every day. So go get it, y'all. I love that. And I will link to that on the site. So easy access for them. My final question for you, Gina, is... I want you to just speak from your heart to that listener, that maybe one person out there that has been hearing our conversation and they're struggling, they're in it, they're challenged, they're, what would you say to them? To, it doesn't matter how long you've been suffering or irritated with the thing in your life. Uh, you can turn it around faster than you think, but it, it's going to take baby steps. It's going to take faith. When you see, it doesn't seem like there's any evidence that proves you're going to, it's all going to be okay. But if you play the long game, because the long game, I, I like my immediate results too, y'all, <laughs> but the long game is what's going to transform the way that you think and act. It's going to make you evolve and up-level who you are. And in the process, momentum is created and things will turn around faster than you think, but you have to play the long game and be in it for even I've been in financial crunches I didn't I thought would take me five years to get out of and they took nine months where all debt was paid off I tripled my income but I played the long game and I said to myself if it takes five years it will take five years I am committed because you decided I decided and I decided to take the baby steps so it felt doable I could get a little confidence under my belt and then just say okay I don't care how long this takes we're going to baby steps and baby steps lead to avalanches of abundance. So stay strong, keep the faith and look for the evidence. Awesome. Gina, this has been fantastic. If the listener is interested in hearing more from both of us, I'm really excited to say that you are going to be part of the lucrative speaker summit this summer. You all can learn more about that at lucrativespeaker.com. Gina is going to be specifically talking about how to connect with your audience and make them fall in love with you. So think about that in terms of not just on stage, but online, in your marketing, wherever you are messaging about your work, how to get those people to fall in love with you. So Gina, that's gonna be awesome. I can't wait to hear that. Hope you all tune in for that at lucrativespeaker.com. Gina Gavellini, thank you, thank you, thank you. You are one of my favorite people. It's always a pleasure to connect with you. So thanks so much for your time and your wisdom on this show. Thank you. It was fun as always. As always. Thanks so much for listening. 
Make sure to subscribe to The Lucrative Society on iTunes, and please leave a review of the podcast. Visit lucra.com for transcripts and resources, or to become a member of The Lucrative Society, where I coach purpose-based entrepreneurs on business, mindset, and heartset. Lucra, where wealth equals well-being.